It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Syracuse fans? It is never too early to start talking about the Syracuse version of the 2023 NFL Draft. Bones and I are going to take you through the two premier prospects that Syracuse has. Mel Kuyper named a couple of guys. You probably know who they are. We're going to tell you who maybe should have been on that list. All that and more on Locked On Syracuse. Let's do it. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's Wednesday morning, and we have a lot of things to accomplish here on Locked On Syracuse. We appreciate you making this show your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Bones and Brad back with you. And Bones, the biggest story around Syracuse football right now, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, the newest edition of the Orange, new quarterback, backup potentially, starter potentially, who knows. We talked to Mike McAllister of SI Syracuse just yesterday. Go check out the episode because he offered unbelievable insight on the new player, former four-star that he pointed out is the highest-rated recruit, if you want to define him that way, since the Dino Babers era began, and that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Mike came on here and showed that he's the absolute man. Uh, If you want some information on Carlos Del Rio Wilson, hopefully we can get you some more by the end of the week. But for now, that Mike McAllister interview uh, should suffice. So Carlos Del Rio Wilson, unbelievable ad for Syracuse. And who knows, he's going to be a big part of what the Orange do offensively in the future. Maybe so big that he's even an NFL prospect. But we cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, going into this season, the two guys that really stick out, if you only have to pick two, because I think there are more than two, Sean Tucker, Garrett Williams. Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN put out his big board for all the different position groups out there. Garrett Williams ranks ninth. Sean Tucker, ninth as well for defensive backs, for cornerbacks, I should say, and for running backs. Yeah, Uh, I think these are probably the two biggest names. Uh, But if you look at where he ranked Tucker in terms of the best backs in the country, Tucker eighth, actually, on that list. Uh, He put him eighth, which is a little bit nuts because i mean did you watch the guy play football last season and you know the the sean tucker slander continues to rage on nobody wants to give the guy any credit because i don't even know why but hey he's just gonna go out there every saturday and occasionally one friday uh and show that he's one of the best backs in the country and he probably deserves to be a lot higher on that list but hey uh, I think he's going to be taken in the NFL draft as well next season. And if you want to know where eighth this year would have landed him, he would have been a fourth round selection. And I can see that for Sean Tucker. He's not Saquon Barkley, uh, but he surely is a talented back and one that's definitely going to be chosen uh, in the draft come next year. I'd be mildly surprised if he had to wait till the fourth round. I think he's a top three round guy. I Personally, I think he's second round value. And obviously value is not the same as slot taken. But still, I, I think he's that good. I'm trying to think, trying to read into the mind of Mel Kuyper Jr. And, and wonder why he's only eighth. Because you, you think back to last year and the debate was Sean Tucker 
or Kenneth Walker the third. And I remember and Syracuse fans till he got hurt. Till he got hurt. Syracuse fans, when they were both healthy, were just looking at Michigan State scores and stats like no tomorrow. That was the other team that Syracuse fans were following. Just to see, well, okay, well, Sean Tucker had 112 yards today. How many did Kenneth Walker have? Yeah, because I, I want to know who leads the, the country in rushing now. That was the debate. And Mel Kuyper not translating that into the NFL, which I get. It's not always a perfect translation, but I'm trying to figure out why. And the only two things that come to mind, one more than the other, one, and it's not fair because I actually think he's quite good at it. There might be a stigma around Tucker that he's not a very good receiving back, but that couldn't be farther from the truth if you actually watch his game. But I think there might be that stigma out there in two Maybe just durability because Syracuse is riding him so much, rightfully so, but that's the only thing. I think maybe they'll also take team success into that category. Yeah. Obviously, he does everything he can on the field, and Syracuse still comes out 5-7 and seven last year and 1-10 and ten the year prior. Uh, but you're right, Brad. It is those two things, although durability I don't really think should be taken into contention. This is a guy that Dino Baber sends out literally every play pretty much. Uh, so I don't think you can knock him for that because he well, plays well, pretty no, much no, every it's, snap. It's nothing like that. He hasn't really been hurt. All I'm saying is maybe NFL teams are wary on the wear and tear that Stewart sure. has put on him. That's fair. I don't I don't hate that take from you. Um, but you're right about the Michigan State thing. I was definitely doing that because Kenneth Walker Jr., obviously, or the third. Is he junior I think or the he, third? I think there are two others. So Yeah, yeah he third. is the third. <laughs> uh, I remember that from his Wake Forest days. Um yeah, he's a fantastic back, but John, I mean, he was right up there with him. So for him to be eighth on this list, I think is kind of criminal. Uh, and I think the Syracuse faithful will agree. But, you know, like I said, the slander will continue and Sean's just going to have to go out there and prove the haters wrong once again. Yeah. And you look at the other guys on the list, and we're not going to go through the whole list, but all of the other names play for superior programs. The funny sure. thing is, Dwayne McBride is ninth, and he's a stud out of UAB. So I mean, there's a, a bit of a, a dip from the top seven to the top uh, ten, I guess you could say, program-wise. you got Texas, you got Alabama, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Auburn, Kansas State, UCLA. I think they're all better programs than Syracuse if you want to bottom line it. So I totally hear and understand your point about team success. It makes a lot of sense. It's not fair to Sean Tucker. In fact, I would argue that it's almost a plus because if I'm an NFL team, I'm not going to hold it against someone if they transfer, but I will use it as a plus for a player like Tucker of his caliber to stay with a team like Syracuse through a one-win season, through a disappointing five-win season, to stay and not enter the portal in this day and age. It's rare. Sure, but I think in that conversation, you also have to uh, value what his expectations were coming in to Syracuse. This is a three-star recruit we're talking about. This wasn't one of the best recruits in the country. Not everybody's eyes were on him coming in. Uh, and he started, like I said a couple pods ago, he started the season behind Jawar Jordan, who now at Louisville is not very good. Um, so Tucker, I think, kind of found a home in Syracuse, and I think he likes being uh, the fan favorite, and he's tweets and the whole bit. Everybody loves him. I don't think I'd leave that either if I were him. No, no, I, I get it. I... Totally understand. And and the thing about Sean Tucker, uh, again, if you're just joining, if you're just skipping through the beginning because you didn't want to hear our nonsense in the, in the beginning, uh, Sean Tucker, the eighth running back on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s big board early on. It's going to it's gonna change. He's going to have 
16.7 on his mock drafts and stuff like that. And Sean Tucker's going to be moving up and down. I think he only has one way to go from eighth on the running back list, and that's up because he has even more to prove than we thought he still did as one of the nation's elite runners. Uh, we move on now. Garrett Williams, like I mentioned at the top of the show, he is ninth on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, big board for cornerbacks. And to me, this one makes a little bit more sense because you think about Sean Tucker, and honestly, sincerely, I can't think of a thing against him, a legitimate, actual gripe against him as a prospect. Garrett Williams coming off an injury-riddled season, and there have been sometimes he's not as dominant a player as Sean Tucker, and it has nothing to do with position bias. Even when he's healthy, he's not as good as Tucker, and he's coming off an injury-riddled season. So ninth to me sounds about right. I actually am kind of surprised to see him here. Uh, he broke onto the scene and was fantastic in 2021, uh, or excuse me, 2020. Um, and, and sure, he was great that season, but like I've said before, and you've probably heard me say so many times at this point, he was playing behind three NFL DBs. So he didn't get the cream of the crop in terms of receivers. Uh, and he went out there and made plays, which you can't take away from him. And he was the one of the lone bright spots in a very, very dark season. But you saw it, last season in 2021 uh, when he came up and, and he was had to be the number one guy. He took a step back because, of yep. course, you are uh, if you're going to have to force yourself into that role because there's really nobody else to do it at that point. And, and Williams, I think everybody expected to be really, really good again and, and be picking off passes left and right. He didn't have a single interception last season, didn't have a single sack. He only he defended nine passes, which is solid, uh, but his tackle numbers were down. Sure, he played 10 games compared to 11, but... Uh, and he wasn't I, even 100% for those He 10. wasn't 100%. Hard. So there, there, he does get that credit. But I am a little bit surprised to see him in this top 10 list. Do I? Th am I taking it away from him? No, I'm happy that he got it. And I think he does uh, deserve it. But I am a little bit surprised to see a guy like Mel Kuyper, who's not going to give a lot of respect to Sean Tucker, go out and give it to Garrett Williams. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I think when it comes to cornerbacks, I think it's a, it's a different evaluation process, right? Because there are so many reasons to to badmouth and to uh, demote a running back when it comes to hype. You know, you watch the highlights mm -hmm. and uh, Twitter blows up when Sean Tucker tweets or Twitter blows up when Sean Tucker scores a touchdown, but it's different for cornerbacks. And there are, there are fewer things that get in the way uh, like a running back. You need to account for offensive line and you need to account for uh, ability of tacklers. When it comes to Garrett Williams, you mentioned it before he was playing with some pros and that matters, and that typically does count against you, but he has gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with elite wide receivers, some of them who are in the NFL right now, and when I say toe-to-toe, -to -toe, I mean stop them, or at least slow them down significantly, so he's proven it. He's proven it before. Last year was a bit of a speed bump, like we said, and now he has to basically prove it again. The funny thing is, cornerback is such a highly coveted position, even more so than running back. You mentioned that Tucker if just you use this past draft as a precedent, he'd be a fourth-round selection. Garrett Williams, the ninth cornerback in this past NFL draft, that was the end of the second round. I, Williams will take that. I think I would be surprised if I saw Garrett Williams in the second round. So would I. I mean, I would be perplexed as well. Uh, obviously, Trill Williams was injured at the time of the NFL draft, but him going undrafted was crazy yeah. uh, at the time. But obviously, there was something we didn't fourth, know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe he was third. I believe him and Cisco both went in third round. Uh, 
Um, but please double check me on that. Uh, but Trill not Trill, Trill not getting drafted was nuts. Um, but obviously, you know, he had the ankle injury that uh, it seemed that, of course, all the NFL teams knew about and nobody else did. Uh, but to that end, I mean, I don't think that Garrett Williams goes in the second round. Third round, but, you're right. Thank you. Um, but if he did, you know, that would be huge for Syracuse because of the whole DBU thing. Uh, I think that uh, it would be massive for potential recruits coming in when that kind of goes on uh, without saying. But Williams would probably have to put together a pretty crazy season to get to that point. I mean, you'd, he'd have to go out there and you'd have to be midseason thinking he's one of the best players on the team, right? I mean, he'd have to be a lockdown well, corner he if he's going to improve his stock. He is one stock. of the best players on the team. He, sure. The funny thing is, everyone. The the funny thing is, everyone's talking about Deuce Chestnut right now. Garrett Williams is a better player than Deuce Chestnut, and that's not crazy. I don't know if that's true. Age. I really think it is. I really think it is. And and you're gonna see. We're gonna see. Right this year, Garrett Williams will be getting the number one wide receiver on every team, and they're playing in the ACC. So if you can be a lockdown corner or even just a good corner in the ACC, then yeah, you're up there, and maybe he falls out of the top 10 of Mel Kuyper's big board. Who cares? At the end of the day, he's going to be a high draft pick because of positional bias that the NFL has, and that's fine. That's good for him, and because he's a good player, but he has to stay healthy. That's the number one thing. He needs to stay healthy, and he's not playing with the abundance of talent that he once did. So that's another thing to look out for. Now, Bones, let me tell you about Rock Auto, because Rock Auto sponsoring this episode with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models rock is always there for you and for me they've been an absolute game changer life changer why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning is your odyssey an lx or an ex and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry yeah right you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket and you can save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, my father, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from a chain store, 216 from rockauto.com. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or for your truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And to the listener, we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make the fa- and make your favorite Lockdown Podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcast. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards to take our audience survey. Go to lockdownpodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Uh, so, Brad, we talked about who 
was on Mel Kuyper's list. Now let's talk about who wasn't and who maybe should have been and maybe uh, not necessarily should have cracked the top 10 at their position, but could come close and will definitely have a chance of getting drafted. Do any names jump out to you because they surely do for me? Yeah, I think the easy answer would be Matthew Bergeron. He's been starting at left tackle for a few years now, and you think about the ACC and and your ability to be a multi-year starter at at left tackle in the ACC, that's pretty impressive. And that's another guy who kind of flew under the radar, uh, elevated his game out of necessity for Syracuse, and he, to me, sticks out. But left tackle is such a difficult position to evaluate, and I don't think he's a pro left tackle. That doesn't mean he's not a pro. I just don't think he's a left tackle, so teams might be a little scared by that, but we'll see. I think Matthew Bergeron is an easy answer. I'm happy you say that because you're. I'm way higher on Bergeron than you are, I believe. You are. There is a misconception out there on me that I don't like Matthew Bergeron's game, which is not true. I just think, honestly, my biggest gripe on Bergeron, and I was actually interacting with a fan on Twitter yesterday about this, is that Given the fact that he started so early at left tackle in the ACC, I put so much stock into that, into playing time and availability as an offensive lineman, especially as a left tackle. You would think that he would be in the top 10 on Mel Kuyper's list. You would think. That's my only gripe, is that he hasn't played. He's played extremely well, but not to the caliber that you would expect of a multi-year starter. Well, I don't know if you're into it or if the listener, you're into it, but he scored really highly on PFF grades pretty much every single week. If you don't know what that is, Pro Football Focus, a company that is really into the advanced stats uh, of college football uh, and the NFL. So he scored really highly with those guys, and that's kind of not necessarily enough for me, but if he passes that and passes the eye test and the basic statistic test, Uh, I think he's a really good player, and he does all three of those things. Uh, The dude continues to be a stalwart on the offensive line uh, and a a cornerstone of it that has really been there even through the really dark times. And people are going to talk about the DeVito seasons where he got sacked a million times, and you're going to hear this from me every time somebody brings that up. It was a lot of DeVito's fault that he did not get uh, he didn't get credited for or discredited for, I should say. Um, DeVito has negative pocket awareness. I've seen like if you watch the old clips, go watch uh, some of those clips from the North Carolina game that, that kicked off the 2020 season. There were so many times that game, which I believe he got sacked seven times uh, in which there were just pass rushers in his face and he did not care. Um, so I'm not saying the offensive line was fantastic or that it didn't deserve any slack. Uh, but it was a lot more DeVito's fault than people give credit. I think Bergeron's a really, really good player. And I think Syracuse and Sean Tucker especially is happy that they got him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's been good for Sean Tucker. He's elevated Tucker's game. In 2019, he became just the, the first starting tackle as a true freshman for Syracuse since 2002. And that's when that's the thing. That's the funny thing about Bergeron is that and I keep on going back to his his former youth. Right. Is that he starts at such an early past Klein. No, no, no. But my my thing is he starts at such an early point. And at that point, 2019, it was house money. Right. It was. Well, it doesn't really matter what he what he does, because he's a true freshman playing in the ACC, starting a tackle. 
if he's on the field and not embarrassing himself, that's a huge win. And then in 2020, it was kind of more of the same, but a little bit less. And then last year, he performs very well. He grades very, very high on PFF. And this is his year to really prove it. I feel like a lot of people have seen him as a prospect by proxy. And now it is his time to really prove it. And it's not going to be one or the other. If Sean Tucker runs well, then Bergeron will be fine. And if Bergeron is good, then Sean Tucker will run well. And those two are attached at the hip. Yeah. Uh, And I say that I have all these high expectations for him. I really do expect him to take a huge leap of this year. Even he was so successful last year and was really talented and showed that talent. Uh, I expect him to be even better this season. And hopefully, like you say, he can pump up those Sean Tucker numbers even more than he already has. Uh, I'm going to give you my player right after this. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, Brad. Uh, We talked Bergeron. We talked Tucker. We talked Williams. The guy that I want to see on this list. and Can Can we say it at the same time? Because if we say a different thing, I'll be upset. Okay. Three. Two, two, one, one. Michael, Michael Jones. Jones. Good, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Uh, Michael Jones, this dude has been fantastic. I mean, just fantastic for Syracuse. Last year, 110 total tackles. The dude was everywhere. Uh, Dino Babers so many times called him the quarterback of the defense. And when he wasn't on the field at any given moment, you knew. Uh, because he was just, he kept the defense together. He was the glue guy while also being a superstar in that linebacking core. And with Stefan Thompson and Marlo Wax right next to him, that becomes an elite core uh, of huge linebackers that, that makes Syracuse a really solid defense. Jones deserves to be drafted 100%. Is he a top 10 linebacker in the nation right now? I think there's an argument for that. I don't know for sure. Uh, I don't have all the information on every player there, but. I think he's really, really good, and I think you'll see his name called. So my only problem with Michael Jones, and honestly, I'm saying this very sincerely. I'm one of the biggest Michael Jones fans you're going to meet, and I'm not trying to take credit or anything like that. I kind of called it, uh, and I'll admit when I was wrong. I'm I'm serious. I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong in sports. Smith Jr. was going to be Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, and he was not. I'm man enough to admit when I was wrong, but I'm going to take credit when I'm right. And I thought that Michael Jones, from the moment he stepped on campus, was a superstar. And you think about what he did last year, okay? He's, so last year, he is first-team All-ACC. Like you mentioned, he's captain. And if he does that again, you're a two-time first-team All-ACC and a four-time, three-time, I should say, All-ACC selection when you factor in 2020. 
how can you not be a top 10 linebacker? That's that's my question. If he does it again. Now, the only reason I kind of agree with Mel Kuyper is because he's a little bit between positions right now. So he we know what he's going to play next year for Syracuse. But at six foot one, two twenty five, I think he's more of a outside rush guy in the NFL. There's definitely a role for him at the next level. I just don't know if it's the position he's playing right now. And transitioning positions, especially on defense, linebacker, outside, it's not that big a deal. I don't think he's going to have a problem translating or transitioning his game. It's just that right now his game's a little fluid for the next level. I think there's definitely merit to that. Um, yeah, he's a tiny bit interestingly sized. I won't say he's like massively undersized or anything. No, no. But it is a weird spot for him to be in. I don't know exactly he's, where he's not in, but he will fit in. He's no, he's, he's not, not an NFL middle line, but that's okay. I, I, I believe that as well. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, Jones, I don't know if he's necessarily going to put up a season next year that is exponentially better than the one he did this past season in his COVID sophomore season. Um, 12 and a half or 12 tackles for loss, three sacks. The guy was a menace. And then in 2024 picks, he was everywhere. Yeah. He's been everywhere. Like, he don't forget really his, his fumble dude. recoveries and his forced fumbles. He was amongst the, yeah. the nation's leaders in turnovers. And, and the the thing is, when you talk about Michael Jones draft stock, I think it's important to look at where he would have been because he could have declared. And I really think he would have been drafted. This well, there was year. a conversation. Yeah, there was a conversation about that. I remember the after the, the last game uh, against Pittsburgh, I asked him, "Hey, Michael." When are you going to make your decision and what's it going to be, essentially? And he wasn't going to answer on the spot immediately after the season ended. And he basically said, yeah, I'm going to seriously think about this over the past week. And then one week went by and he came back and he just decided that he's going to invest in himself in himself for one more year and and be a higher draft pick next season. And that's exactly what's going to happen. I firmly believe because he's that good and he's going to graduate. So there's that, too. But I think he would have been a fifth round pick i don't think that's crazy yeah to say. i think he would have been selected i mean he's really talented and not to mention how much of a leader uh he, he's been for syracuse and we kind of touched on it a little bit maybe you did in the uh the solo brad klein era but um last year was a little bit weird in the acc kickoff because it was like the super senior thing and they didn't bring a quarterback and it was like aaron service josh black yeah whatever this season, I'd be stunned if Michael Jones wasn't there. I'd I be agree. stunned. Um, I agree. And it's it's probably unfair just because drawing a parallel based on school, but it kind of feels like the floor for Michael Jones. You mentioned he's a leader, quarterback of the defense team. Doesn't the floor kind of feel like Zaire Franklin? And if that's true, then that's a good pick, right? And he's a good player, and he's been a staple of what the Colts do, and he's a captain, and he's a strong player. But if that's your floor, then you're a worthwhile pick. I don't know. Like they, yeah, I don't know. They're similar in terms of statistics, but yeah, I mean, I guess I can kind of hey, see Zaire that. Franklin is just for the sake of argument, right? And we talk about, again, leadership, Zaire Franklin. I think it all changes when you go to the pros, though. It does. It all changes, and it's not fair. They happen to go to the same school. They never overlapped. I'm just saying that He's carved out a nice role for himself in the NFL, and he's there to stay as a he's captain. A good Colt. He's, he's a good Colt. He's only 25, by the way, and he's been he's a fifth-year pro. How about that? And 
I think that what he provides is invaluable for a team, and I know that the other teams in the NFL believe that as well. And if Michael Jones can do that, by the way, I think he can, then sold, right? And you talk about undersized linebacker, just slightly six foot two thirty five, as I hear Franklin. Yeah, I mean, he was big though. I always, whenever I think about Zaire Franklin, I just think of like a chunk of a guy. <laughs> like he was a massive I dude. I get um, it. All right. Well, we're running out of time here. I ask you this as a parting word thing: uh, Michael Jones next year. What round would you take him, give or take? Oof, I'd probably take him third or fourth. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a third round pick, but we'll see. We will see. We appreciate you making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Now make Locked On uh, NBA Big Board your second listen. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Bones and I will be back tomorrow. More Syracuse talk every day. Your orange fix all the time, Monday through Friday. We'll catch you next time. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.